Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Steve Blank. Cannabis Today delivers industry, community, culture, and news media. To explore our broad spectrum programming and extract only the content that you want, visit canna-today.com and click the search icon to navigate your way through topics like cultivation, law and policy, CBD, startups, health and wellness, terpenes, investment, extraction, events, and so much more. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Cannabis Today on your favorite streaming platforms and join the conversation by connecting with us on social media. On this edition of the podcast, Catherine Sidman hosts Emmett McGregor live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Pala, California. Emmett is the CEO of Sci-Fi Systems. He's been bringing cannabis into the future for the past five years. As an investor and entrepreneur, he has pursued innovation across botanical ingredients manufacturing, consumer product development, organizational design, and integrated supply chain solutions. As an operator, he has enjoyed leading teams in various disciplines to create new answers to emerging questions within the cannabis industry. Currently at the helm of Sci-Fi Systems, he leads a team of career professionals to develop the leading edge of scaled processing technology. Without further ado, Catherine Sidman and Emmett McGregor, live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Pala, California. Uh, I'm very excited. We are here on the floor of the Concentration 2019 conference, and Emmett, I'm so excited that you're here. You are um, just a super innovative guy with a super innovative company. I want you to introduce yourself and say the things about you that you want to say, and then I've got some questions. All right, great. Um, My name is Emmett McGregor, CEO of Sci-Fi Systems. Uh, We specialize in uh, industrial scale solutions for cannabis and hemp processing. Industrial Uh, scale. See, I already stopped you. I said you could introduce yourself and then like I I interrupted you in the middle of your first sentence. Uh When you say industrial scale, I want a number. Sure. So we're really starting at the range of around uh, 100 pounds of biomass an hour of throughput um, and then up from there. And the hemp we're starting to see you know, thousands of pounds of an hour. And yeah. uh, we've really specialized in custom built solutions uh, for the complete complete process set. Some we do in-house uh, development of specialty equipment, and then some we're uh, working with trusted vendors uh, that have, you know, basically front of the line technology. Like uh, Cascade Sciences. Sure. Trusted vendor. Um, so tell me, tell me what so you're 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 putting you're putting systems together through the entire process are you doing like biomass handling are we conveyor systems what tell me tell me how much sci-fi is taking care of of the process sure so uh typically we start after um the material has been broken down. Uh, we have worked in the past with some milling companies and uh, conveying companies, so we have the ability to, to bring in whatever the client is looking for. Um, typically, we don't handle uh, drying or harvesting or any of that sort of mm-hmm. pre-processing that goes on mm-hmm. uh, for the cultivators. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything from the time that the product is dried uh, up until uh, the final ingredient manufacturing, uh, we can handle. So we don't do really consumer goods manufacturing, mm-hmm. but you know, we isolate, uh, distillate, crude oil, winterized oil, uh, fats, and then 
Uh, we're also working with a variety of vendors on fractionation and uh, getting into the minor cannabinoid isolation, THC-free distillate. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to really uh, be the combination of a trusted manufacturer and a process integrator uh, that you can come to when you know what you want and you're already on your way to having a well-established team of uh, scientists, uh, support, administration, and uh, you know really exactly what it is that you want. We're there to to enable you to achieve those goals. Um, so I think that right now we're in a, a phase in the industry, especially in hemp, where there's a lot of professionalization. People are starting to realize this is an industrial application. And so we've been preparing over the last several years to really shine in that space and be prepared for stuff, uh, new requirements for what sanitary means for the industry, uh, for uh, being CGMP compliant moving forward, for uh, really trying to take the industry to its next stage from where it has been in a, what I consider to be the commercial space and into the industrial space where it really is tightly controlled, tightly documented, and uh, fully compliant end-to-end -end systems for manufacturing ingredients for you the know, broader market. You brought up a couple things that were really interesting to me. So the first one is going from co commercial scale to industrial. Yeah. And we were in this weird space with hemp where I feel like we've built this cannabis infrastructure in in these state-tight compartments where you have a limited customer base, you have a limited access to biomass, right? And you have so limited inputs, limited outputs because you're limited by your geography in that in that imaginary state type box right um, and now hemp comes and it's a totally different animal so we have to reel it all back in the yields are so much lower the biomass handling is so much greater the moisture content is different the cannabinoids that are present are different the extraction technologies are necessarily going to be different you're able to source biomass from all over the world not just all over the country or from your neighboring country state next door right and and so on the so it's a much bigger project with much lower yields with much more outlet for the customer so it's a whole different i think ethos than what i'm calling the thc cannabis processing so how are you because tr traditionally you've been more in the THC space, I'm going to call it, for because we don't have good terminology for any of this, right? Sure. Because I don't like to say cannabis instead of hemp, because that's just stupid face. Right, it? yeah, it's the same. So, yeah. um, so without saying marijuana and cannabis, I don't even know how to talk about it. Um, so tell me how you're restructuring sci-fi systems and your offering to address this whole new paradigm. So so when we started out uh, serving the you know adult use and medical markets, um, we really took the mindset that we were bringing our prior experience in um, the phytochemical industry and applying it to cannabis, trying to bring in more mainstream technologies to apply to that market. Now we're seeing uh, an evolution towards uh, what we think of as the total industry shift towards uh, mainstream technology and getting closer and closer to the state of the art. I think that we're probably still three years away from um, the mainstream university programs and uh, and large technology providers from really coming into the space and taking it very seriously. So who are you looking at? Can you name any names? Who are you looking at who you uh, want to see come into the space? Well, I don't know if I want to see oh, them come into know, the space or if we consider that. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I think that 
This industry is very unique. There, we're processing a highly resinous, very sticky product, um, at least in the middle stages of the process. Um, it has, like you said, a certain balance of uh, moisture content, resin content, high silica content in the plant. So there's unique challenges that, that do differentiate it from other industries. Um, that said, there are, uh, there's, you know, hops extract manufacturing, there's specialty uh, perfume, flavor fragrance manufacturing, as well as to a lesser extent seed oil extraction and refinement technologies that we think are going to start coming into the space, uh, that we want to be there to, to try and interface with those providers in order to integrate them seamlessly with existing infrastructure. I think there's going to be some gambles that get taken by, uh, by some uh, businesses out there on engineering firms that specialized in those other applications that want to directly apply their technology into the cannabis space but are going to have a pretty steep curve of specialization so what we've been focusing on is uh, enabling those mainstream technologies to be rapidly adapted to the cannabis use and integrating uh, new specialty technologies with really tried and true uh, systems for things like solvent recovery, like um, uh, wipe film distillation is one that we specialize in and Cascade uh, also has some specialization in now. Um, and so what we found is that there was a leap from glass into steel that really makes sense when you go to scale, to scale that has sure. become very common now there's a bunch of new entrants into the market that are using maybe a couple of different hardware providers um, to to bring that type of technology to market but we have a relationship with a company that's been specialized in um, in custom specialty applications for that technology uh, for a couple of decades now and mm -hmm. we've really been uh, successful in uh, incrementally specializing and adapting the larger scale equipment to this application and coming down from large scale into small scale um, whereas a lot of companies have struggled to sort of scale up from the small into the large because there's a there's a space so people call right. me and and um, they call me they call cascade and they say I want to decarboxylate before co2 extraction right. great I have a I have a I have an oven that's as big as the space you and I are sitting in. We could sit in the oven with all these microphones and, and have this chat just as close as we are now, right? right? So I can do that. But that is not a conveyor oven that's doing, you know, thousands of pounds of biomass a day, right? And so there seems to me that there's this huge blank space between the offering that I have, this sort of 500 pounds of biomass a day, maybe that kind of under 500 pounds a day, maybe even under three pounds, 300 pounds a day. And then there's nothing until you're a thousand pounds an hour, right? right? Because the difference between my $13,000 oven, there's nothing else before you get to a half million dollar conveyor system that's built in place. And that's the other thing is people want to call and order something. Like if you're General Mills and you're 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 putting in a Cheerios plant, right? How many machines do you think there are on the planet that make Cheerios, that make that take oat paste and make little donuts out of it? Maybe like six? Ten? I mean, I don't know. How many machines do you think there are like that? Uh, you know, I think that there's a fair number of generics providers that have managed to copy the technology. Right. So maybe a dozen. But but every one. But those are built in made place. Are, are built in place, built to suit custom yes. solutions. Yes. Yes. And so we're getting to a point. That's that's how we treat our clients right mm -hmm. now. Is mm -hmm. we're here to customize. Uh, 
the existing technology so you can de-risk the core mm-hmm. that you know is going to work, but then build it to suit your specific application mm-hmm. and your specific desires for your outputs. One thing that I, the, the theme of the next two years, I think, for the industry is process intensification, which is just over the past couple of decades really been a total chemical and food industry-wide movement towards uh, continuous conveyance of materials, towards uh, moving from batch-wise processing to continuous processing overall. Is that mostly for cost savings? Is it for efficiency? Tell me tell me why. So, and and yep. say the term again. Sure. So Process intensification? You're right. Process intensification. And uh, the idea is that by um, maximizing the utilization of every component and getting closer and closer to an on-demand process. So a process that is either truly continuous, so it's constantly flowing materials through it, um, or is uh, rapid enough in terms of the interchange between batches that it's acting effectively as a continuous system. So this is lean manufacturing, essentially. Lean manufacturing is one of the big drivers behind this ethos. It's it, That's sort of the administrative background yeah. uh, on which this is the, the technical side of that same concept, which is, you know, you, you want every resource that you have in the plant to be be working at all times as close to its maximum throughput as possible. And the big thing for this industry and for any industry handling solvents is that the less solvent that you can handle within an actual process for the same amount of output per unit time, the more safe and less risk there is uh, in your plant. Because solvents are necessarily going to be, I mean, unless it's CO2 or water that's acting as a solvent, Mm -hmm. set those aside. Solvents are dangerous. That's why they're good at dissolving things, right? That's why they're good at making things, because they're caustic, they're um, dangerous, they're flammable, they're, right? Caustic might be going a little far. Caustic is the wrong word. Okay, so, okay, but tell me uh, me a better word. Right, so they're they're just hazardous materials, typically, Mm -hmm. and I would say that even CO2 and water um, are both have hazard profiles, right? There's no solvent that when you get to a scale that you're using it in the, you know, even even hundreds of liters, definitely in the thousands of liters, where it doesn't have some hazard profile, right? right? So you could say CO2 is not, uh, if you you touch it, it's not going to, you know, dissolve your skin or be damaging. However, um, if you have a rapid pressure release event, um, you could could have it actually become a suffocation risk. You also, if you have an actual... uh, pressure situation equipment right. and you have rap really truly rapid depressurization it becomes a uh, risk of uh, parts uh, flying flying yes, yeah, yeah. Know, really uh, has the force of, or, of a cannon in some cases so when uh, when people when businesses when businesses hear this so so I'm gonna be a business owner right? right and I'm coming into the cannabis space and and the questions that I ask the customers that call me are, are different today than they were three months ago three years ago. you know, five years ago. Today, one of the things that I ask is, are you planning on being in business in three to five years? Because that changes our whole discussion. Because I think that there was a time when I could say to my customers, if you buy this $100,000 piece of equipment, you can pay for it in three weeks. I... I think that our outlook needs to be a little bit longer. Like our horizon needs to spread out. We're talking about built in place conveyor systems for managing tons, metric tons of biomass. Right. We're not making back our money in three runs. You know what I mean? Anymore. So it's like, how do we change that conversation? And I don't want to just be talking to Chad about getting into cannabis. 
You know what I mean? Right. I want to be talking to the guy. I want to be lifting up the traditional processors to get to the level that you're talking about. But it's a it's a jump. It's, How do we get there? I think that there it's a little bit of uh, professionalization and collaboration. That's that's the big thing that I see. I think that the there's definitely a place for um, the folks that have been in the industry doing the on the ground processing for years now, and then I have a, a large amount of specialized. Uh, experiential knowledge and hopefully by this point have started to build a really robust data set about their runs and how um, what they're doing actually impacts their runs. We're seeing a lot of uh, collaborative open source development going on on websites like Future 4200 um, where you're really seeing some things that are that people have a, a desire in some cases to try and keep proprietary, but the community is able to really, you know, blow that up and, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and do rapid iteration and collaborative development. I think that that trend is only going to increase. And it's really just at this point taking the place of what would be an academic um, research institution based open source development process, right? Um, which we're going to see that come online, I think, maybe two or three years Isn't out. Isn't it going to be adorable industry. when like when universities get on it and they start telling us things about cannabis and we're like, you're so adorable. <laughs> right. You're so cute with your little research. <laughs> tell us, tell us more things about what are they called? Trichromes again? <laughs> tell us again. Yeah. I just, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for that too, but like catch up. Catch well, and up, and what know? I'm hoping is that you'll see some of those big innovators that have been on the ground in the lab, um, find support in their, uh, in their businesses and, uh, or just independently the drive to actually go into academia and integrate their existing knowledge into the research institution because there's... Well, how about into the education stream? How about making this a viable career path for people? Absolutely. How about just including it? How about how about not even having, and this is what I would love to see, let's not have a cannabis-specific degree. Let's just have cannabis where it's appropriate in biology, in botany, right. in, in literature, in history. Let's just have it where it's appropriate and not have to make a big thing about it. Yep, it's Don't a, go it's, take a cannabis class take a biology class where you talk about the endocannabinoid system. What we're working on is separation science, and there are a few really good universities in the, in the United States and many more, of course, uh, across the, the world, in, uh, especially in countries like India and, uh, Israel. So, and yeah. Israel also, where they, uh, I, I specifically mentioned India because they have such a long and well-established botanicals, uh, botanical products and natural medicine, yeah. uh, mass manufacturing base that's been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think that the technologies out of um, those universities and uh, also out of uh, China and then the United States and Europe, and I think all, increasingly we're seeing a lot of research come out of South America as well, that there's a greater... I hear Colombia is interested in getting into the drug game too. We'll see how that turns uh, out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and we're actually seeing great research coming out I know, of Colombia universities. It's really good. Um, so I think there's going to be increased public-private partnership that's going to allow for a more formalized approach to the same sort of open collaboration that's going on right now. And what we're going to see is that there are technology providers that that recognize that opportunity. And there's always going to be some folks going for patents. But I think that the more rapidly that they can integrate these innovative technologies into um, I would almost call them traditionally applied uh, technology solutions and mm -hmm. process solutions, mm -hmm. the more quickly they're going to see rapid adoption. 
And so what we've tried to do is when we're scaled up our business from being uh, focused on serving the adult use and medical market into the hemp market, is we tried to take the best of the technology that we uh, saw already being applied and then bring in the technologies that couldn't be applied at a small scale and really have a viability that starts when you mm-hmm. get to that multiple hundreds of pounds an mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. Um, and do the planning up front to be able to quickly implement them and perform process intensification to go back to that idea because uh, essentially take to take uh, an example from an engineer um, that we work closely with from the biofuels industry you can have a plant that does a million gallons a year of biofuel production that um, uses you know six inch or eight inch transfer pipes right because they're doing a batch process and then you can have a plant that is a 10 million gallon a year plant that's using one and a half inch transfer pipes and just by looking at the pipe size you can tell that the the holdup volume in between processes is lower the total holding capacity of the entire system is actually somewhat equivalent to the batch system mm-hmm. but because you can continuously inflow and mm-hmm. outflow mm-hmm. out of the system you get a much more uh, increased time efficiency so the production per unit time goes up the the less downtime you can have in the total overall system yeah. and that's why continuous tends to be a more efficient option um, now that said most of the continuous technologies only really start to be applicable at you know maybe 250 pounds an hour type scale is where we well, see like yeah, a minimum but the, viable but the face application that the face that you're making says a thousand pounds right and that it, realistically you know? the yeah. majority of the technologies yeah a thousand because pounds an because hour. you have to have the amount of oil mm-hmm. right or or oil solvent mix mm-hmm. that you have in the plumbing of a of a right. of a manufacturing plant like that exceeds the output of the next 10 companies that are making extracts in that area right. and that's just in the plumbing that's exactly. just that's just sitting around you yeah. know what i mean and now you're dealing with handling you're dealing with product handling on an industrial scale but it's a food and pharmaceutical grade product right so so every one of those lines has to be clean has to have a cleaning process has to have a verification has right. to have valves and gauges and meters that are constantly monitoring for air input that's oxidizing things and there's this is a this is an intimidating undertaking i mean just to it go is. i remember thinking that it was intimidating when i'm talking to a guy who's moving from open blasting to closed loop, right? And like, here's how to use this like big boy Cascade Tech vacuum oven that they use at NASA and Blue Origin and SpaceX and wherever. This is a just a game changer. I mean, where we're heading now, I think we, everybody saw it coming. Isn't this what we want? We want bigger and more. But getting there is a challenge and it's shaking. It's shaking the industry um, and some folks are falling out. Oh, you know? absolutely. There's going to, you know, it is a hyper competitive market. We're going to see not just producers, but even manufacturers. I mean, just, oh, you know, pr- pr- uh, ancillary suppliers, gas suppliers. I mean, I think lots of names that that five years ago had the biggest booth at wherever and everybody knew that name. Where are they? Right. You know what I mean? It's Where, a rapid evolution. It's you know, if you can't serve tomorrow's market, then you're going to really struggle to to keep up. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a a real emphasis on service and maintenance 
and uh, and adaptability in mm -hmm. systems that uh, it really comes from building a an ecosystem of providers that are able to work together mm -hmm. rather than focusing solely on being a, you know a standalone sentinel yeah, we can't in do the it. market. We can't, you can't do it. You can't just be the guy who says, I provided that one component. I'm in. I dropped it in. I'm out. Because right. we all have to work together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? We all and and that is typical from my experience in the pharma world. Hello. I mean, if your controller doesn't integrate with their um, CF, CFR 21, whatever data logging component that the FDA is going to, I'm sure that you can right. name all those regulations, but yeah. I don't have to, so I don't. But if, you're, if your controller doesn't communicate with that, your equipment is no longer relevant in that facility. Absolutely. I have a couple, I have a few themes in my talk uh, upcoming at 3 p.m. today, which is uh, one of the big ones is, you know, you think you do per paperwork now, uh, <laughs> which the, the, the side, the other side of that coin is that when you have mounting documentation burden, mm -hmm. there's going to be more and more uh, pressure to automate the, the tracking systems yep. and the quality management systems. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, you're absolutely right. Having smart controls, having uh, controls integration, starting to move towards uh, uh, SCADA type systems, which mm -hmm. are total systems. Uh, control automation and data logging systems mm -hmm. that are plant wide mm -hmm. and then I think we're only a few steps away from uh, maintenance monitoring systems that are not Absolutely. only time based but actually uh, you're seeing in other in big industries things like microphones that are able to listen to the sound of a motor or bearing assembly mm -hmm. and tell mm -hmm. you know several days or even weeks ahead of time when your seal right. is going to give out on right. you so you need right. to replace it and you know when when you're at a small scale you're doing a couple hundred pounds a day it doesn't really necessarily occur to you the proportion of your total income that can be impacted by downtime right. but when you're literally putting millions of dollars of, of material through your system a day um, having you know even six hours of unexpected downtime or I mean, yeah. you really hope you're no, not you, doing yeah. weeks of downtime. Right. Just the, the burden, the cost burden that that could put on a company could, could literally shut it down. Well, and that's uh, where you have, I mean, I, as you as you talk about this, gone are the days of where the extractor is also the maintenance guy, the sales guy, the distribution guy, the, you know what I mean? And, and one man show wearing a bunch of different hats or, yep, she, you know, she does all the marketing, but she also does all the de-waxing. You know what I mean? Like th that's not there anymore. We're talking about a lot of employees. And I think that's something that's going to be new to cannabis are non-revenue non generating employee sectors yes. in your company. So, you know, revenue defenders, re revenue <laughs> defenders. I yes. love that. Um, I'm in sales. So all those revenue defenders are a little bit annoying to me because <laughs> I'm wanting to move a lot faster than they are. And they're all super careful. But, you know, having a robust quality department, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with, I'm waiting until you and I are looking out at a show floor like this and there's actual quality companies here, actual companies that will go through and do your SOPs and put your quality manual together and those kind of consultants are coming you know everybody says oh we're ISO whatever no you're not there are there no, are a couple of them out there that we uh, we have the joy of working with but okay. um, it's, but it's it is very it slim needs to be the, more. it needs to be a lot more and those those companies are still small boutique shops and they're mm -hmm. and getting more and more mainstream quality management professionals coming in not only uh, as consultants but also sure. getting in-house into these companies from other industries like yes. especially food pharma cosmetics mm -hmm. i think 
maybe cosmetics is actually the, the, the sort of secret well of talent out mm-hmm, there that mm-hmm. um, is not really getting tapped very well by the hemp and cannabis industries yet, but it's going to, it has a lot of cross applicable skills. And I will say the most valuable uh, talent hunt that anybody can make is a, uh, is a very well-versed maintenance mechanic. I think that there are, you know, maybe one in 10 facilities that we see actually has a maintenance mechanic up front uh, reviewing the development mm-hmm. of the process ahead of time alongside whoever's developing okay, the so process itself. So, so, so this is if you're going to let, let's go with mechanics. So yeah. this would be like this is not somebody that you hire after you get everything right on the front end. You're taking your mechanic with you to the car lot and you're saying, help me pick what I want and what do you want to be working on? Because I'm just going to say, you know, people call me if my equipment is down, people call me and, you know, warranty boy, we're, we're going to show up or whatever. But a lot of this stuff is not warranty faults. It's maintenance. It's you have to have a guy who can fix everything. And I know that in our manufacturing facility, the, the cascade vacuum oven manufacturing facility, I know exactly who that guy is. He's Fred Steven. His wife is Brenda. I adore him. He can fix anything. He can do anything. He can make it work. But boss takes him when we're about to buy a million dollar, you know, laser punch to knock out our stainless steel. Fred goes to the show. Fred goes and helps pick out the equipment because it has to mate with all the other equipment. And it ha- and he's the one who's responsible for keeping that horse running absolutely in that stable so those kind of employees where um yes it's the guy who can get everything done and it's a guy who can also think strategically and and be part of the planning process and that whole conversation and the bottom line is when you pay a master's degree chemist or or even a phd uh you know chemist or engineer to come in and do your process development process optimization and maintenance the last thing that you want to do is to pay them to go pick up a wrench and yeah, undo some yeah, bolts, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but a mechanic that is really well-trained and has a background in uh, machinery maintenance is going to be able to make that maintenance schedule, build it up ahead of time so that it's tightly synced with your production schedule, and again, just limit your downtime. If, even if you're covered by warranty, if you have somebody in-house that can change out a seal for a backup seal that you have on the shelf and knows how to specify right, that seal ahead right, of time, right. you're talking about you know potentially uh, days, even weeks of downtime saved and mm-hmm. therefore potentially even hundreds of thousands millions of dollars of mm-hmm. revenue saved mm-hmm. um, so it just it's a hire that is absolutely crucial and because they're the, going to be the ones that are actually uh, wrenching on the equipment itself having them take part in the planning of the piping on the the planning of the of the cleaning process accessibility even, absolutely accessibility mm-hmm. uh, you know even automation the more automated a system gets the more the burden of operations falls onto the maintenance department. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So it's it's a huge, huge part of uh, of industrialization of the of the uh, of the industry is starting to realize that preventing downtime is uh, just as important as optimizing your process while mm-hmm. it's running. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it just is crucial. Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, it's an investment. You know, those key personnel are our investments, revenue defenders. I love it. Revenue defenders. I want to know. So you're I'm going to describe your customer. Sure. All right. So I think that your customer is a a forward thinking medium to large 
concern, either in um, the THC cannabis side or the CBD hemp cannabis side. Um, they probably have some investment dollars um, on deck and they're ready to partner with somebody who's going to integrate it after the sale. Do you just, are you done after the sale? Cause it, it doesn't, you're just no. shaking your head and looking at me like I'm crazy pants <laughs> to even ask that question. But, but honestly, if I sell somebody a vacuum oven, I mean, they might have a couple questions along the way, but it's a vacuum oven. This well, is not complicated. I'm not selling a system. I'm selling a piece of equipment so I can sell it. And then, you know, not have to see that customer again. How does that work for you? So that we like to say that we're uh, not in the business of being equipment providers. We're the in the business of being equipment partners. Mm -hmm. So uh, for us, we see our uh, last sale as our best future customer. Yeah. You know, so so to us, maintaining relationships and being sure that we have um, the support there to back them up as they go through um, iterating the equipment. If they want to make any changes, we want to know about it ahead of time, not only for warranty concerns, but mm -hmm. we also want to give them any pointers that might head right. off uh, challenges that they right. have integrating other people's equipment. Also, as, as if they make any process leaps forward that where they need support of additional equipment or they need you know automation changes or they just need advice we try and continuously and provide tuning. it's backing. constantly tuning so one right. of the principles of lean manufacturing is constant improvement exactly. right you're constantly looking at the data you're constantly trying to improve you're constantly removing waste you're constantly yes. streamlining constantly adding value you know what i mean and that's just a continuous process and that needs to be somebody's job it does continuously tuning that and that person is the person who reaches out and is like Emmett I've done everything I've done this I've done that I've done whatever and I can't make it better and I gotta eke out like like the market is going down this is a commodity product I need to squeak out another two percent how do I do it right and it, and you know sometimes the answer is well you know we have this uh, add-on uh, component that might uh -huh. help or uh -huh. or sometimes the answer is well if you really need to push that much further you're gonna need a new piece of equipment uh -huh. but when or a second shift or change this right. or what if you did all of this entire process what if we took it offline yep. and we did this as a separate process and then added it back into the workflow because it's a bottleneck and, I don't, you and know. what we really wanted because we we tried to work with our clients on a basis of customization and really sp uh, specifically serving their needs um we really want them to come back to us when they have the need to expand and when they're succeeding and they're, they actually are flush with cash from yes. revenue yes. Um, and say, wow, we, we like what this is doing, but we would like it so much more if we had these five features. Mm -hmm. Well, we're glad to, to build you a system that has those features right. on board. We're not necessarily gonna, always going to be in a position to try and modify existing equipment. That's something that I try and emphasize to all clients is once you get ethanol, into a system, even into a pipe. Can you just, I'm just going to start running CO2 in there, though. That'd be fine, right? <laughs> well, obviously not that. <laughs> obviously not that. But, uh, but really, you don't. It costs a lot of money to get a welding team in that has the specialization to do what's called purge welding, mm -hmm. so that they can actually weld on pipes that have flammable uh, gases inside mm -hmm. the system. Mm -hmm. Because the minute you get a liquid ethanol, liquid propane, mm -hmm. butane, you know, even terpenes in a system, uh, it's considered a flame hazard. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
it's not something you should take lightly. So doing right. all those modifications right. on paper first, and then when it gets to site, any last minute modifications you need to do, we go through and we literally with the client look at every single point of weld, every single flange, every sensor port, and every electrical system on the equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we make sure that they sign off on every single right. component because right. what we know is there's a chance that they're going to want something that's not on there yet, and the time to do it is before it ever gets ethanol or any I, other solvent in I the system. I had a boss who used to say, um, life would be easy if it weren't for customers. And I think <laughs> yeah. that, that we file that under there. Customers oh, yeah. change their mind. I want to know, how how do we find you, Emmett? Sci-Fi Systems. I want to yep. find you on the web. I want to find you on Instagram. So, I want to know you. Tell my people how to know you. Sure. So uh, sci-fi systems.com. That's S-C-I-P-H-Y systems.com and at sci-fi systems on instagram awesome um you can also find us on linkedin uh, glad to uh, speak with anyone at, at any scale that has plans of growing their business uh, we do typically start at that around 100 pounds an hour type of mark for extraction okay. on distillation side we start around five liters an hour for okay. distillation capacity okay. um, and uh, that said we're also eager to to find collaborators if you're an engineer out there that has a great product that hasn't made it to market yet we'd love to talk to you um, even if you're a service provider that thinks your services could be relevant to our client base we try and set our clients up for success by suggesting the services that they might not even know that they need ahead right, of time I love it right. I love it and vendors Emmett thank you so much sci-fi yeah. systems thanks All for right, coming thanks out you guys.